Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Bishop Rhodes recently celebrated a special Mass observing the 175th anniversary of the Miami tribe's forced removal from Indiana. On this episode, hear more about the Native American experience in Indiana and the connection between the Miami tribe's treatment and what we see today with refugees who were forcibly removed or had to leave their native country for their own safety. If you have a question for Bishop to answer on a future episode, submit it at spokestreet.com slash askbishop. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our good Bishop. Thank you for joining us again, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. So we're going to talk a little bit about history today. And I know you've talked about in the past how you're interested in history. It's one of the things you like to read about. When did you first start enjoying history? I think all the way back to grade school. Like I loved social studies. I also like geography. I mean, I like world history and uh, American history, as well as the history of the church. Probably the area that I've read the most about is like history around the time of the Declaration of Independence, Revolutionary War. Although I also learned a lot about the Civil War because Gettysburg was in my former diocese. But I'm very interested in like the founding of the country and also the philosophy and the beliefs of the founding fathers and the Declaration of Independence and uh, all of that. And I'm also interested a lot, like when I came to Indiana, learning the history of Indiana and Mm -hmm. especially the church in Indiana. So I continue to learn more. You know, when I go to parishes to celebrate a particular anniversary, like their 150th anniversary as a parish or whatever, then I always get the file from the archives and I learn more, (laughs) you know? Uh So, uh, yeah, I I don't have as much time. Maybe when I retire, I I can read more history. (laughs) (laughs) Cue those up. Cue the history books. Well, last weekend, you celebrated a Mass at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception to observe the 175th anniversary of the Miami tribe's forced removal from Indiana, which I have to admit, sadly, until I read the article from Today's Catholic, I didn't really know anything about this. I don't don't know if this was covered in Indiana history growing up and I've forgotten it, or this is something that we don't really talk about much, but thought maybe we could talk a little bit more about the Native American experience, especially here in Indiana, and maybe you can educate us a little bit on this history. No, I'd be happy. Um, I really did learn a lot more about the Potawatomis in the South Bend area, Notre Dame area, because of um, talks and that that I had to give up on uh-huh. the South Bend side of the diocese. And, you know, at the uh, the log chapel at Notre Dame, three of those early missionaries are buried. And I know I've spoken on this program about Father Benjamin Petit, who, to whom I have uh, a personal devotion every time I go there. I think it's a very holy spot at the university. He's buried, you know, in the log chapel, below the log chapel. And he was just 28 years old when he accompanied the Potawatomis when they were expelled uh, mm-hmm. from the area. And it was the Trail of Death. And a lot of the Native Americans uh, died on the Trail of Death on their way to uh, Kansas. And uh, and Father Benjamin Petit died also on his way back. He had gotten sick, uh, very sick mm-hmm. on the journey. And then 
never made it back. On his way back, he died, and he was just 28 years old. And I remember I, I read the letters that he wrote home to his mother, and I could just see the holiness. But he had such a tremendous love for the Native Americans, for the Potawatomis, and they loved him. And he's not really that well known, and that's why I talk about him a lot. But I know that's not what you were asking me, but I just wanted to mention that my knowledge of the Miami Native Americans uh, has come later. I've learned more. Just a couple years ago, I had to go to uh, Toledo, Ohio. I was celebrating a mass. I think it was the Red Mass at the cathedral in Toledo. And I, I that's right, yeah. Yeah, and I left quite early. And and I said, wow, I'm going to be arriving here way too early. Well, as I was approaching Toledo, I saw this um, sign about the Battle of uh, Fallen Timbers. And I thought, well, I have a couple hours. So I visited that site. And I learned when I visited there about the, well, there was the bloody conflicts going on between the Americans and the Native peoples. And this was a major battle. And it was General Anthony Wayne, for whom uh, Fort Wayne is named, he defeated the Miami Indians in that battle of fallen timbers in the year 1794. And then he um, proceeded on to Fort Wayne, but he destroyed several Miami villages. The The Miamis had, had um, escaped from their villages and he on the way destroyed these villages and the cornfields and then came to what is now Fort Wayne. It was called Kikianga, which was really the main village of the Miami peoples. That's it's kind of their central headquarters or whatever. And um, and that's where we are. You know, I'm thinking to myself, our cathedral and and uh, was built there. And 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 General Wayne built a fort here. And, you know, the city is no longer called Kikianga. It's called Fort Wayne after General Anthony Wayne. And um, he and his troops, you know, demanded that they that the natives uh, cede their village to him as part of a treaty to end the war. And the tribal leaders agreed there was a payment and the uh, Miami's trusted in the promise that the rest of the territory of of the state of India uh, of Indiana would remain Indian land. I mean, that's, I guess, where we get the name Indiana. Mm -hmm. Um of course, that didn't happen, you know, uh, later treaties and eventually the Native Americans lost all of Indiana. So, um, you know, I'm not no expert on um, this. I would like to read more. But, you know, we think of the battles and the violence and the injustices of that period of our history. Um, decades before that, the, you know, the the Miami uh, peoples had had settled in this area. They had, if I recall correctly, they had been up in what is present day Wisconsin. They, I think some of them probably became Catholic even back then, you know, like in the 1600s, because there were French Jesuit missionaries in that area. Um, I would like to research that a little bit more, and I haven't had time to do so, but I suspect that maybe some of the Miamis who settled here were already Catholic, but I'm not sure about that. You know, we do know that there were uh, French immigrants, explorers, traders who then came to this area late 1700s. And 
it's really interesting to see that the French were here for trade. They were not here to colonize. You know, this is very different from the English on the East Coast. I think that's really interesting. So I'd like to see more, learn more about the relationship between the French and the Indians. And I think it was, it was peaceful. And of course, the French were Catholics. Um, and there was intermarriage between these French, mainly fur traders and Native American women. That, that became quite common. So there was this relatively harmonious relationship between the French Catholics and the Native Americans, which I think also made it such that the Catholic missionaries among the Miamis uh, were well received. And many of the Miamis became Christian, became Catholic. Now, I'm not saying everything was good because obviously the French brought with them European diseases that the right. and the Native Americans did not have the natural immunity. So another thing that the French brought was alcohol. And that became a problem for the the uh, Native Americans. But overall, it was a harmonious, relatively harmonious, good relationship. I think things changed when the French and their Indian allies were defeated by the British and their colonial allies in the French and Indian War. I don't mean the relationship between the French and the Indians changed, but basically the, diff the, the relationship between Native Americans and Europeans in general. Mm -hmm. um, so French-Indian War, sometimes it's called the Seven Years' War, led to the, a treaty that was signed in Paris in the year 1763. And with that treaty, all the lands east of the Mississippi River became part of the British Empire. And eventually, after the Revolutionary War, part of, of the United States, uh, Amer U.S. territory. And that's when, you know, bloody conflicts began, especially between the Americans and the Native peoples, because Americans started moving west as the U.S. was expanding uh, in the 1790s. I mentioned that the Battle of Fallen Timbers took place in 1794. But even before that, there were battles in which the Miamis were victorious, but it, there was a lot of violence. Um, and I think one of the main reasons is, unlike the French, the British and then the Americans wanted control of the land. In the westward expansion, they were basically displacing the Native Americans. And there were all these treaties, treaties that, you know, because they'd be, they'd be, the Americans would be buying land, but then they, they wouldn't honor the agreement. And so, again, I would need to study this a lot more. The U.S. Congress in the year 1830 passed the Indian Removal Act, and it was signed into law by President Andrew Jackson. And, you know, many of the citizens the settlers in Indiana supported that law. Both the Miami Indians and the Potawatomis were uh, victims of this. They ended up being removed, not right away. It's interesting that the in both places, 
up by Notre Dame and South Bend and in Fort Wayne, the priests who were ministering to the Native Americans opposed the forced removal of the Native Americans. I already mentioned Father Petit, but even those missionaries before him uh, opposed their removal. Here in or in Fort Wayne, Father Julian Benoit, who's the one who built our cathedral of the Immaculate Conception, uh, and he's buried right below, he cared deeply for the Miami members of his flock. And he advocated for them, just like the priests up in South Bend. And he also accompanied them when they were expelled to the, to the Kansas Territory. From what I've been able to, to find in our history, Father Benoit stayed two weeks uh, with the Miamis in Kansas and then returned to Fort Wayne. And then he oh, wow. and there were a good number of Miamis who, who were not expelled, who were still here, and he helped them to buy land because Indiana law didn't allow the Miamis to buy land directly. So he kind of was their agent. Hmm. Um, and he had a close relationship with local members of the tribe and uh, especially the chiefs who were Catholic chief Jean Baptiste. And I don't know if, how to pronounce this in French, but de Richardville, it might be Ricardville. I'm not sure. And then his son-in-law became chief. That was Francis Lafontaine. And um, they were kind of famous Miami uh, leaders who were Catholic. So one of the things is when the forcible removal took place in 1846, 175 years ago, you know, how heart-wrenching that was. The Miamis who owned land at that point, they were allowed to stay and their relatives if they had private property because they would have a place to live after the reservation land where the other Miamis were living, after that was gone, they would be able to stay. So they were exempt from the removal, but there were several hundred who were not exempt and they had to get on canal boats and journey into exile to Kansas. By the way, they didn't stay in Kansas. After some years, they eventually had to move to Oklahoma and that's where many members of the tribe still are. So were they being compensated for their land? Is, well, they didn't. Was this just totally unfair? Well, they didn't have land. They were living on a reservation uh, uh -huh. that had been established. And I have to kind of study more when that happened. But, you know, they didn't really have this idea of ownership of land. I mean, yeah. they saw the Native Americans saw land as a gift. You know, that idea of owning land only arrived when the Europeans came. I mean, they mm. didn't have that concept. You know, very interesting. But then they had to get involved in it because of what was happening and they had to learn to buy property and, and all of that. Yeah. So some did and they were allowed to stay, but the others who, who didn't, they were forcibly removed. Okay. There is one quote I came across when I was preparing my homily for last uh, Saturday evening, because I was trying to imagine what it was like, you know, the pain that they must have felt when they were, the tribe was kind of separated. And um, uh, I came across a quote from a witness in Fort Wayne, 
And I'll, I'll just share that quote. I brought it with me today. This is what this person wrote. Well, I remember the sober, saddened faces, the profusion of tears, as I saw them hug to their bosoms a little handful of earth, which they had gathered from the graves of their dead kindred. As the canal boat that bore them to the Ohio River loosed her moorings, many a bystander was moved to tears at the evidences of grief he saw before him. So I would like to talk to um, some of the uh, our Miami Catholics because uh, I would really like to learn more. Uh, I, and I think I'd like to go to the, you know, the Fort Wayne Museum because I think there's stuff there. I even think they have some kind of a display uh, regarding the removal. And I know like they weren't just the Miamis weren't just in Fort Wayne, but also the surrounding area, the Wabash Valley, like there were a number of Miamis in um, and, and some of their descendants are still in Huntington and in um, like St. Patrick's Arcola Parish. So, yeah, I, I, I do have a lot more to learn. Yeah. And some of this was mentioned in the article again, and that was a today's Catholic. Uh, it was posted online September 14th. If people go to todayscatholic.org and search for Miami, that'll come up. And it did mention that there is an exhibit in the Cathedral Museum. Yes. And then also there, the Whitley County Historical Museum in Columbia City has an exhibit opening today, October 6th. And then it runs through 2022, September 2022. And they're hosting a lecture series. It's at WhitleyMuseum.com. But with something like this, I, maybe just starting with the mass, is this common to do a mass in honor of an event like this? I, I mean, a lot of times we have like masses for an anniversary of a church being built or you know, maybe a patron saint or something like that. Is it common to do a mass for an event like that I would consider to be somewhat tragic? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a, a it's not a mass of celebration. Obviously, mm -hmm. this is a this is a sad memory. So we called it a mass of healing in remembrance of the uh, forced removal of the Miami tribe. So but it is important to remember, like, it's important to remember the Holocaust. I mean, mm -hmm. these are terrible events in human history that uh, we should not forget, especially can help us to repeat. I mean, help us not to repeat such injustices or betrayals. So that's why it's important to pray for healing and peace and reconciliation and justice. And, you know, some of this becomes political. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was a a political debate when they, I forget if it was last year or the year before, regarding uh, celebrating in Fort Wayne, Mad Anthony, whatever it was called, Mad uh, Anthony Wayne Day or whatever. And I think with the eyes of faith, uh, not the eyes of politics, it's important that we repent for sins of the past and that we pray and work for justice and peace today. I think... Um, you know, in one sense, we we should give thanks for the blessings 
of our faith and the faith that we share, whether we're descended from the Miamis or the French or the Germans or the Irish or the Polish, you know, whether our ancestors were European or Native American or African or Latin American or Asian, that we're all children of God. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And even with those who aren't Christian, we're brothers and sisters in the human family. So we're called to respect one another and our diverse cultures, the gifts of our cultures. That's why I think it's it's good for us to remember the Miami culture, Potawatomi culture. Now, we recognize that neither the Native American cultures nor the UN, European cultures are without sins. I mean, there mm-hmm. are negative aspects in every culture. But when we think about uh, our faith, you know, the gospel that we preach and that those missionaries to the uh, Miami Indians, they brought the gospel. The gospel purifies culture. Mm -hmm. Every culture needs to be purified by the gospel of Jesus and by the gospel of love, which is proclaims the God-given dignity of every human being. You know, that's the gospel and the gospel of love that was uh, lived and proclaimed by Jesus and his command to love our enemies. Um, You know, sadly, 175 years ago, the Americans and the uh, and the Native Americans were, you know, they were enemies. Um, But you know what? This goes on today. You know, Mm -hmm. we're called to love our enemies today. We're called to be agents of healing and peace in a divided world, in a world where there are so many conflicts. And I think with the mass last Saturday, it was really beautiful to stand in love and solidarity with our Miami brothers and sisters, mourning the removal of of, uh, their ancestors 175 years ago. Well, on that note, maybe we'll take a break. And if people have questions for Bishop for a future episode, you can text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And we'll talk more about the Miami tribe and how this might relate to modern refugees and immigrants. Coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. We've been talking about the Miami Indians. There was a special mass said over the weekend, the 175th anniversary, I guess you would say, of them being forced to be removed from Indiana. And you mentioned, Bishop, a few different locations around the diocese and in Ohio that you've been to. Could you maybe just Give us a, a little tip of if people want to go visit some of these places, maybe a reminder of you mentioned the the cabin chapel at Notre Dame. Yes. Uh, which was uh, part of the Potawatomi tribe. Yes. The chapel was built there 
at Notre Dame and um, it was, it burned down like in 1900 around there. So really what's there now is an exact replica, Okay. but buried underneath are, are the three missionaries, Father Baden, Father DeSale and Father Petit. So I love to celebrate mass there and a lot of baptisms are celebrated there. I think it's a holy, huh. holy place. The college seminarians who live at old college is right next to it. So they use that for their daily mass and they have Eucharistic adoration and liturgy of the hours there. I've celebrated many masses there. I would like to try to get down into, to see, I think there is a way, but I don't think it's open to the public uh, where I might get down to actually the burial area where those three priests are buried. Um, but uh, yeah. And of course that chapel predates Notre Dame. I mean, this is before Father Soren came. As a matter of fact, uh -huh. when he came, that chapel was there and he lived on the second floor in the first brothers. It's small, but that's, that was all that was there. Not far from the two lakes. And um, there's different places in our diocese. There's historical markers uh, that mark the trail of death that I talked about, where the Potawatomi's left on foot from, uh, from the South Bend area, Southern Michigan, Northern Indiana, to go to Kansas. I know there's one spot near Plymouth that I stopped at. As far as the Miami areas in the Fort Wayne area, I haven't really um, had the opportunity yet. But I would like to visit, for example, the homes of those two Miami chiefs that I mentioned. I believe they're still standing and they may be museums. I'm not quite sure, but I would really like to do that. And also, uh, as I said, the history museum to see some of the artifacts and uh, maybe some of the documents. You know, as I said, I think if you haven't visited the, the site of the battle of Fallen Timbers, I forget the distance. I It's not that far from Toledo. It's right off the road that you drive. I forget the highway. Is it 24 that you drive okay. drive yeah. from Fort Wayne to, uh, to Toledo? And, you know, the other sites of the battles where the Native Americans were victorious, I'm not quite sure what's there if they... Uh, if you like visiting battle sites, but I, what I like is usually they have information about the, what happened there and stuff like that. When I travel, I love to visit historic sites. Uh -huh. Well, and you mentioned the museum. We'll, we'll mention this again at the end, but the diocesan museum has an exhibit and also the Whitley County historical museum has an exhibit. And one of the things in the article from the today's Catholic was uh, there's a desk and in our museum at the, uh, the diocesan museum that was from father Benoit. And also there is a thing that was given to Bishop Darcy, a pipe of some sort, an elk antler pipe yeah. given by the Miamis of the diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend to Bishop Darcy. Uh -huh. So just some cool stuff there and, and some interesting stories. It, just great to see also that they apparently had a relationship with Bishop Darcy enough to, want to give him this gift. Yeah. Yeah. But kind of curious how this all plays out uh, in maybe modern situations when we see refugees and immigrants. Do you see a connection between the way the Miami tribe was treated 175 years ago and some of the situations we see today? I can't help seeing a connection because people are still being displaced mm -hmm. at different places around the world. I mean, we have 26 million refugees in the world today. 
people who were either forcibly removed, expelled, or had to leave because if they stayed, their lives would be in danger. Mm -hmm. um, so their dignity, their human dignity, it's our duty as human beings and as Christians to respect the dignity of others. And when you think of losing your home, losing your community and having to, for your own safety and for the safety of your families, have to migrate. And then how are they received to the place where they migrate? Oftentimes they're not welcomed. Sometimes they are because of the United Nations and other groups. There will be refugee camps because there's no place for them to live. I'm so proud of our Catholic charities and and our refugee resettlement program. And uh, we talked about this on a recent episode about the uh, the Afghan refugees. Uh, but even before that, we've resettled uh, many other refugees, hundreds, few thousand from places like Congo and Sudan, war-torn places. And of course, so many from Burma in Fort Wayne. That's good work of the church really good work of the church, helping people to feel welcome in a, in a place that can become their new home. And that means helping them not only with uh, physical necessities, food and shelter, but also to find jobs and to learn English and, and to really see them as our brothers and sisters and not see them as, oh, these foreigners. No, they're from other areas of the world, but they're part of our human family. So when we resettle refugees, it's not just Catholics. I mean, some of the refugees that we resettle are Catholic, but but some are not. I mean, the majority of the Burmese that we've resettled are Buddhist. But yet we should be in solidarity also with our non-Christian brothers and sisters, because they too are created in the image and likeness of God. This is foundational to our faith. Well, and that's something that makes me also proud about the Catholic church and, and some of the work that we're doing is that with other organizations, even Christian organizations, whatever, there might be an expectation or a requirement that in order for you to get this help, this aid for you to stay at the shelter, whatever, that you have to participate in our, our church experience, or, you know, you have to somehow be a part of the community before you can get any aid from us. And that that's not the case with Catholic charities. It's not the case with St. Vincent de Paul, all these other organizations that are helping people in need. It's not, uh, are you Catholic? Then we can help you. It's, are you in need? Then we can help you. And, and that's what God is calling us to do, what Jesus calls us to, and, and not to only serve ourselves, but serve everybody. Exactly right. I remember the deceased Archbishop of Washington Cardinal James Hickey was asked this question once, and he said something that I'll never forget. He said, we help people not because they're Catholic, but because we're Catholic. Yeah. We do not proselytize. I mean, we bear witness to Christ by our words, but even more importantly, by our deeds, you know, mm -hmm. our deeds of love and deeds of works of mercy. That's such a beautiful part of our faith, and um, we can all think about that and how how we can do that, you know, how we bear witness to the strangers among us. 
Well, and the old saying of if you if you don't know history, then you're bound to repeat it. I think this is one of those cases where we can look back and see how these Miami tribes were treated unfairly. And yeah. we could say, oh, we would never do something like that today. Like those those people, those Americans, those French or whatever, they were so ignorant to the dignity of, of these Indian people. But then we do have an opportunity to reach out to people coming from Haiti or Afghanistan or Burma or whatever. And are we going to look back or are people going to look back at us in 175 years and say, how could they not have reached out and helped these people? Are they going to look back and say, look at what the Catholic Church did. Look at what those people did to help those that were in need. Yeah. You know, I'd add to that, Kyle, something that I would like to um, reflect on more is um, the French were Catholics. And the way they related to the Miamis was different. They had a respect for the cultures of the right. Miamis and the Potawatomis, and they respected their, their dignity generally. You know, I mean, they were, you know, there was intermarriage, as I mentioned. Um, their relationship was very much based on trade, but they weren't out to destroy the Native Americans nor their culture. And I wonder if it was their Catholic faith that led them to respect the dignity of the Native Americans. I would like to think so. Yeah. Because if you look at the colonists of, um, from Great Britain and uh, those early Americans, they did not have that same respect mm -hmm. for the Native Americans. I mean, that's my general impression. I'm speaking, you know, in a generalized way, you know, that I'm sure there were, you know, exceptions to that. Again, I need to study it more, but I think generally speaking, generally speaking, the French were more respectful mm -hmm. and there wasn't the bloody conflict, you know? Right. I think we have to be careful of idealizing any culture whether it be a European or Native American, because as I said before, there's flaws and we have to humbly admit, we all need to be purified, every culture, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm sure there's Catholics that could have spoken up and done something and didn't. And there was Catholics that were heroic. And so hopefully we are on the side of the heroic Catholics today and mm -hmm. uh, that we can learn from our past as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Bishop. Again, if people want to check out the article, uh, there's maybe multiple articles available as well. If you go to todayscatholic.org and just search for Miami, uh, a couple options will come up there. Also, again, the Diocesan Museum, which is located on South Calhoun Street in Fort Wayne, they've got an exhibit on the Miami removal that's going through October 30th. And you can find more information about that at dioceseffwsb.org slash Museum. So the diocesan website, dioceseffwsb.org slash museum. And again, the Whitley County Historical Museum in Columbia City has an exhibit going on from today until September of 2022. Also hosting a lecture series. You can find information at whitleymuseum.com. So thank you so much, Bishop, for another great episode. Before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord, now and forever. 
Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Kyle. And St. Kateri Tekakwitha, pray Pray for for us. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.